to repertory screenings episode 80 i'm your host and with me is my regular co-host jackson hello 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 and my other regular co-host destiny hello 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 we're here to talk about some goddamn movies Movies. i am going last (laughs) so uh well okay um when you when you go i'll order a pizza and wait for that to come and then you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's the end of the year 2022 in the bag oh um i will say for the record um in a day two days i don't know when the next ornate stairwells goes up at exportodd.io, i am on with autumn and neve talking about the 15 best new to me movies of 2022 uh please look forward to that it's like a two-hour show uh we, oh, we all did top 15s um i didn't know that was going on man that's that was cool I was surprised that, me. There was, there was, um, <laughs> I didn't know it was happening until five minutes before it did. So <laughs> yeah, damn. I was going to record something with Neve for like the long fly- fire slot because we weren't recording long fire last week. And around eight thirty, right when I was about, I'm like, oh, Neve hasn't gotten back to me because I know Autumn was over, so I, they, they probably didn't want to do anything. Um, Autumn was like, hey, would you like to do this thing? And I'm like, okay. And Autumn was like, all right, be ready in five minutes. And then it took <laughs> twenty because they have a fucking toddler to wrangle. Oh um, yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that'll do yeah. it. Um, a lot of movies from repertory screenings made my list. Couple blockbuster movies made my list. One, one. I think one. What, what's the one? Hang on. Well, we remember what we did in blockbusters this year. This year is it Saturday Night Fever? Yes, it is. It's a fucking great movie. I have been thinking <laughs> yeah. about it a lot. That's a classic yes. of cinema. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think like five or six repertory screenings movies made my list. So we we went back and we updated the um. Letterbox Repertory Screenings this last time, uh, which is on my Letterbox. If you, if you want to go check that, just see the movies we've done. And as we were just going through, we're like, man, it's basically nothing but bangers. We pick for this podcast. We're pretty high on the success rate. It's not 100%, but it's high. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, with the year wrapping up, Jackson, have you watched any films? I've been watching some movies. I've I've had a brief movie mode, but not like your level of movie mode i just went back to my old <laughs> i'm i'm being excessive right now so yeah i just went back to my old uh, movie playlist and watch some stuff um but i also i also watched glass onion i guess oh right uh, we all that watched came glass out onion. we all watched glass onion because it came out and the entire world was posting so hard about it that if you didn't see it within five minutes you'd be too pissed off with it to actually enjoy it <laughs> that's um, true and surprising no one it is a movie that does not like support the ideological debates going around it. it's kind of a very normal movie <laughs> just, yeah, just a, I had a great time normal disposable movie i mean that in the nicest sense it is inspired by equally disposable but thoughtful like you know murder mysteries right it's meant to be that kind of pop fiction it does a good job of that uh i liked it more than knives out i don't think it has like um, oh, i like knives out more I, knives out has just like some bigger thematic flaws in its mm. uh it's uh, got more benoit blanc and i like the house more than i like the art compound I mean, the house is better than the art compound. That's just true. There's that um, bit with the phone in Knives Out that's so fucking funny. It's like one of my favorite jokes ever. So oh, Jesse has <laughs> not seen Knives Out yet, so I'm trying to talk around it. Okay, so. yeah, yes. Okay, I won't talk about Knives Out specifically that much then. Um, but I, I I enjoyed it more than a lot of like the negative things going around. Um, I've also seen like ludicrous levels of positive praise. I just think it's mostly a normal movie. Yeah, it's uh, a normal I think. Movie. 
um the it is frustrating that ryan johnson has been saddled with being like the last jedi discourse guy forever and like a lot of that stuff keeps ending up in the movie so he's gonna keep perpetuating it it's not like entirely blameless um but i mostly just ignore it i mean being the discourse guy is how you get a netflix to give you 500 million dollars that's so true (laughs) he he earned 50 million dollars for both for like for each movie that's his like directing fee yes which is what the fuck that's you that's know? securing the bag where you can say no to anything else the rest of your life yeah. 50 million director's fee on a knives out sequel are you yes, crazy it's, it's, this is netflix is irresponsible i mean this was like one of the last deals before they were like we're not uh, no more no, no we're not doing yeah. deals like that anymore um i will the, the bit in knives out destiny will watch knives out hopefully soon where someone is talking about trying to sell books netflix is like there's a window here we need to strike <laughs> before the netflix deal happens increasingly the most prophetic thing in that movie oh that's funny yeah he says it and then ryan secured the bag and now we'll be out of there after that. i mean he's acting like He's going to make a lot of the like Netflix secured two and three, but I don't think they have all of them in perpetuity. Yeah, um, I think theoretically afterwards, God, if he can convince another company to give him another like hundred million dollars personally to direct more nice out sequels, I just outrageous. I just wonder where the money goes because like in this, the money is going to uh, a lot of production design and a lot of like yes. effects heavy location stuff. Yes, um, and I mean effects heavy, not necessarily like pure cg there is a fair bit of cg yeah. but just like it's set in an extravagant location there was a yeah, lot of he, money he flew he flew a bunch of actors he liked to an island to hang out right like yeah but that's the real the real thing the reason these movies cost a lot of money and the reason you want them to cost money is because uh you get the character actors that way you get like yes. all the heavy hitters yes oh um, yeah for sure that's how you get all the famous people in an ensemble movie which is used to be like 60 percent of movies but is now none of them <laughs> um and yeah you, I, you can get ethan hawk to show up just to spray everyone in the throat and walk away oh it's so good <laughs> the ethan hawk cameo is so funny uh it's one of my favorites in the whole movie it's so so you're good you're good <laughs> you're good <laughs> uh, yes yeah, so i watched what glass onion we all did um then i've also seen a few other films um from my old movie playlist but i'll just mention um uh the 39 steps uh, yeah, which is the 1936 question mark Alfred Hitchcock movie, um, which absolutely fantastic. The motherfucking cinema can't get more cinema than that. It's a different movie every five minutes. It's ludicrous. Um, I loved it. I love the whole thing. Just enraptured the entire time. 35. 35. Okay. Because uh, it's like based on a novel, but they added a bunch of stuff. They added like a Hitchcock blonde that wasn't in the original novel. <laughs> Completely yeah. changed the entire premise of it um and it was just it was just fun non-stop fun uh basically a comedy which i know is like the hitchcock mode that you prefer yes um and that was good yeah i I told you to make sure to catch that one yeah because i was like i'm going through i'm making my old movie playlist but i'm not gonna like watch my entire collection of every movie ever so i just need to know the ones that actually hit and you you shouted that one out and good shout what a great movie Uh, screenwriter robert town remarked this is from wikipedia it's not much of an exaggeration to say that all contemporary escapist entertainment begins with the 39 steps and yeah that's true that's how it feels (laughs) it's pretty good yeah um and then i also watched my man godfrey which is less good uh another 30s movie it's a more of a screwable comedy um ridiculous its politics are absolutely wild uh but it was very funny uh so i enjoyed that one too 
Um, mm-hmm. Just a weird screwball comedy about like a homeless guy that becomes a butler and teaches them all the meaning of happiness or whatever. I've seen this I, years and years ago. I remember thinking it was okay, but not like one of the better ones of these. Um, it, it's really it, it's pretty good because it's like that's the like premise of it, but it's actually about how um, if you're like a rich girl and you've decided you want to fuck someone, like they can't really stop you. <laughs> <laughs> it do be like that in the thirties for sure. Um, <laughs> and I kept waiting for like Godfrey to flip and realize that like make it into some kind of more mutual thing by the end to make it less uncomfortable. But no, they just go harder and harder. She's just like forcing. Um, this is just like how it's going to be, and he just has to begrudgingly yeah. accept. This I've is got his a life movie now. that is this exact same plot actually in mind, so we'll wait for that. Um, and uh, yeah, if you can uh, accept the like ridiculous politics, both gender wise and class wise, you know, it's a weird thirties class comedy. Um, great time, uh, strong recommend. But th- those are like the big ones I hit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny, what did you watch? I watched uh, just recently. I watched Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which was. Just, um, kind of like, well, okay, I didn't know this, but there's a very, like, silly, funnier die sketch that's just, like, this, that was the inspiration for this movie, um, where it's just like, what if Weird Al had this really hard, stereotypical upbringing, and it's just a parody of, you know, the rock star lifestyle, and, and it's just... Uh, you know, full of ridiculousness. Um, he has this completely like fake relationship with Madonna and she's like ruining his life with alcohol and selfishness. And like when he grows up, when again, he's a kid playing the accordion is a sin and his dad wants him to work at the factory. And it's one of those, but it's, it's so funny. It is so, so funny. You haven't seen, um, Dewey Cox, have you? I have. Okay, I good, saw good. it this year. Yeah. Oh, and, good, yeah. Good. I, I got thinking about it. it. Walk Hard is probably funnier, but this, this is definitely just like, if you like Weird Al, it's, it's, it's a good time. Um, it's weird to me that like Dewey Cox happened and, but then like music biopics didn't change. They kept making them. So it's still relevant to I can do this. <laughs> they, they just kept going. They haven't stopped. They haven't changed even a little bit. They're still nope. huge. Uh, yep. Wild. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about the Weird Al one is it parodies things that actually happen to, like, other rock stars. So, like, he gets, you know, a thing laced with LSD. He um, gets arrested for public nudity. Like, it's just, it's just very silly. Um, and Daniel Radcliffe is a damn force. Um, so, yeah, that was when I watched. And then I watched a couple of movies with M. I watched uh, The Fablemans. Oh, I gotta see that. It's so good. Like, I don't even have anything deep to say about it. It just it was really uh entertaining movie. A fucking movie. Just one of those. <clears throat> um, Full of actors acting and <clears throat> just, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. Do you have anything to say about it, Em? Uh, Fablemans is just, uh, Spielberg is the only guy who can get away with 50s and 60s schmaltz and make it work. He's, he's like an earnest film director in a unearnest time. Um, and I just like his depiction of like mid-century America works on the back of being about a Jewish kid who reaches the limits of what like white Christian America is going to let him get away with. And also it's about like 
when you want to do a creative endeavor, it fucking sucks sometimes. And not in like a, I'm a starving artist way. Cause that's really not Spielberg's story. Just in like a, it's really hard to like understand people because you can't do anything with that understanding <laughs> um, in a way that I think is really good. Um, and um, Paul Dano and uh, Michelle Williams are fucking great in that movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Seth Rogen's really great. In it. Yes. <laughs> like really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's it's less of a this is the transformative power of the movies movie than I thought it'd be. Um, it's much more Same. of a family drama. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely more of a family drama. I would have liked it either way. Like if it had not gone down the road with the family drama and it had just been about like these formative experiences that made him a filmmaker, I think I still would have enjoyed it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, made me think of the Aviator a lot, which neither of you have seen, unfortunately. Um, I know. I need to get that. Watch. And they're not like the same, really, in any way. It's just like watching a movie about like history happen but that history is also someone's like personal story it's just both handled really well in those Mm -hmm. um that's all and then i also watched uh ingmar bergman's fanny and alexander we watched that on christmas day which is very similar to the fablemans in that it's an autobiographical film about a filmmaker but it's a family just, drama mostly, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, who you know, it's this kid, Alexander, whose father dies and he's kind of left like his whole life changes and just the sort of scary, weird experiences of being this kid with like this big imagination. Yeah, we watched the theatrical version. Um I might I'll probably save it till next Christmas, but I would like to watch the full version next time. Yeah. But that whole Christmas plot at the very beginning, for some reason, is just one of my favorite things. I don't know what it is about it. It's, the it's good. It's like place. the most beautiful Christmas set I've ever seen. So Yeah. <laughs> it's up there. But, um, but yep, those are the big ones I watched. I really liked Glass Onion. I, I Yeah, I don't... I, I'm like, I, am I forgetting anything? But no, that was pretty much everything. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I finished Satan Tongo. Satan Tongo is really good. Um, it's just a movie about some farmers traveling in the dirt, trying to like get ahead of each other. Like I said last time, um, it, it does not like pay off in a big dramatic Coen Brothers comedy conclusion, but it's it's not not that ultimately at heart. It just depicts it in like a realist cinema way. Um, it's pretty good. I watched Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm, um, which Ooh. I described as a battle royale of goofy British accents. Um <laughs> Um, it's incredible. Uh, it's about Peter Capaldi digging up um, a giant snake skull that belonged to a pre, like a pagan cult that worshipped a snake that was like put down by the Romans at the time, like a thousand years ago. And there's still like one person who believes and she's a weird snake vampire lady. It's ridiculous. Um, it makes Listomania feel restrained in its sexual innuendo and symbology. No, um, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, there isn't the, the, at no point does someone ride a giant mechanical penis. You're correct. But uh, it, it, it's just one of those. Ken Russell will never stop going in. And I love that for him. It's great. I really like this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, it's That's really funny. Um, uh, then I watched uh, Pierre LeFou. Um, the, uh, the um b- 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 why can i not Godard. think of Godard Godard. Movie? yes um which is about <laughs> which is about uh, jean-paul belmondo in the most lupin he's ever been um because lupin's 
based on you know Jean-Paul Belmondo like half of anime guys from the 80s and 70s and 80s are based on him basically um and he just runs away from his life and family with Anna Karina to like the fucking countryside like it's like Badlands or something but they are just they're just miserable um (laughs) and it's really funny and it's kind of like just these aimless layabouts and this doomed romance um and I really liked it uh it's probably my new favorite Godard I thought it was really good um i had a great time with it um godard and color just hits different i haven't seen very many colored godards that man has a great understanding of like nice colors on the screen uh in a way that really surprised me um anyway after that i watched ali fear eats the soul the fassbender movie uh about a middle-aged too old uh german woman uh, who falls in love with a moroccan immigrant um <clears throat> And her family and his family, by family, I mean community, just do not understand. Um, it's really good. It's like, it's hard to watch sometimes, but I thought it was very sweet. Uh, their weird uh, summer winter romance uh, is nice. Um, of all the fast winners I've seen, I think it's probably the least bummer act also. <laughs> So, um, and it's still kind of a bummer. Uh, Fassbender does not make funny movies or he, sometimes they're funny, but they're not like pleasant times. They're, they're hard watches sometimes. Mm. Um, but it's really good. Um, I watched Overboard. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The conclusion of this arc. Um, so yeah, Overboard was brought up last repertory screens. I'm like, I'm just going to watch it. Um, unsurprisingly, I fall somewhere in the middle in that, um, I think the movie is like fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like the acting quite a bit. Um, Goldie Hawn just single-handedly like carrying this movie on her back. Cause Kurt Russell can only do one thing. And that one thing is be charming, but that being charming does not extend to stealing a woman with brain damage and making her his like <laughs> domestic servants. <laughs> it's so evil the shit he does i thought yeah. so i genuinely thought until the minute i was watching the movie that this movie was about like kurt russell is like a, a work like a, just like a lower class guy on a boat and falls in love with a rich lady like it's no. titanic no. <laughs> no i did not know what the plot of this movie was <laughs> um genuinely i thought they were like trying to kill each other i thought that's what the overboard meant is that they were having this good like you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of goofy romance where they were trying to murder each other for whatever reason. I had no idea what this movie was. Um, I think on some level at, at the heart, there's like a good screwball comedy here. If you made it in the 1930s, but this isn't a movie yes. from the 1930s. This is a movie from the 1980s. And it's about how good it is to show rich women what it's like to be a mother and the regressive nature of 80s politics just really makes it impossible to like not be slowly horrified by it even when i'm being charmed by the acting (laughs) that's the best way to put it (laughs) um so i i gave this two stars uh i thought it was pretty bad i didn't hate it in the way jackson hates it um i probably wouldn't hate it now i was like so scandal i was like this movie so it's advocating for such evil things and i'm you know watching it, it, is, it is advocating for evil things it's it, it, would, it would have been a great blockbusters movie if none of us had seen it yeah but it, it, like oh. I, I was just I, I was put off by it in a way that only a very young person who doesn't realize how many millions of movies that suck there are, are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the board is an object with cultural power power in 2012 when i watched that like crazy um it's it's depiction of like what being poor is is also this like really cartoonish like nonsense that just was right from here i think of married with children as my like version of this 
where it's just like he has two jobs um and a house and like four kids and they're all like the kids are depicted like they're like hill people they're like they, they can barely read they just sort of kind of left on their own all the time but he's like got money it's really weird in the way in which it like the 80s just the economic realities of things were different <laughs> well the 80s is just so fucking weird for like the amount of money doesn't change but the financialization like the in, like the injection of credit into people's houses right like the, the people living yes. there at the time uh it's just different it, you know yeah um and obviously now it's just awful for everyone um then i watched buster keaton's the general um which I did not know. Everyone has forgotten, de- declined to talk about, at least in where I've heard about it, that this movie is about how cool the Confederacy is. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't know. That's like the famous thing about know. this movie. No, I didn't. I knew, That's it, was, what I knew the, it had a bunch of train is. stunts. It's called The General. I, I didn't know. I knew it was a, b- a bunch of train stunts. But yeah, um, the train stunts are really good. The, the actual movie itself, mm, not, not into it. Did not have a good time. Uh, <laughs> it's just about how... Uh, the North are cowards and everything is about the chivalrous legacy of the South. Um, the original story it's based on was about the North and Buster Keaton was like, Oh, audiences would just wouldn't accept it. unless, unless we made the heroes, the Southerners, uh, because that's where the United States was at in the 1920s. Uh, uh, yes. uh, the like glorious lost cause stuff just in full force at this point. Um, and basically continue like every time, uh race shit kicks off in america that stuff also kicks up um yes unsurprisingly Mm -hmm. yeah um anyway another two-star film uh the train stuff really good but i mean you could watch much better it's no sherlock jr you know no it's not it is no Sherlock jr um um i watched meshes of the afternoon which is a uh short avant-garde film it's really good it's like 14 minutes. I was just going through the sight and sound list. Uh, I'd seen it before. I realized like a minute in, I'd seen it before because um, there's a man with a f- mirror for a face that shows up. And I was like, oh, right. I remember this. <laughs> really hard to forget. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's good. And I, People should watch that. It's really short. Uh, I watched Mirror, uh, the Tarkovsky film, um, which is a nonlinear story about his mother, basically, and him growing up as a child. Um, but it's mostly like what the what the 20th century did to people who lived through it <laughs> like it's it's about like living through the wars right um but in like this really dream like state of just like alienation and meditation um i thought it was pretty good i don't have like a ton to say about it um people like to wax poetic about it but i'm like it, statements right there on the screen you just watch stuff happen it's pretty good <laughs> not everything needs a dissertation um <laughs> which brings me to cats <laughs> <laughs> which does need a dissertation <laughs> well i was watching um the you know classic basakita movie tarkovsky movie uh Satan tango and then i how did, how did how could i add this complete this um i'll tell you what happened i woke up early i woke up at like at like 5 30 which is way too early and i was like i want to watch something i'm a, uh, i was like i'm gonna shave today so i had like an electric razor and i was like i'm gonna sit on the couch and i'm just gonna shave um and I'm gonna. I need to find something on. And I, Destiny, had said, "Oh, I, this is like Chris, Christmas Eve day, I think." And Destiny was like, "Oh, HBO has a bunch of Christmas movies." And I was like, "Okay, I'll look at HBO." And uh, I looked at the Christmas movies. And like, I've seen all the good ones, and all the other ones I haven't seen look really bad. Um, what else they got? And I saw. I lit upon Cats, and I was like, "That's kind of like a Christmas movie in the ways in which I expect it to be good and bad." Um, and I was right on half of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cats is a baffling movie, and this is. This is accepting the part where Cats as a musical is bad. 
that's just true. And I say this as someone who loves musicals and um, the kind of era in which Cats comes out of musicals, even Cats fucking sucks. <laughs> the music sucks. Uh, the lyrics suck. The structure sucks. Um, whatever. I, I like Magic of Mr. Sofleys. Um, the, the version of memory in this movie, they fucking nailed it. That's all they need to do is get memory good. They did it. I don't even like memory, but if you sing it well, people will come up. And show, like show up for the movie and on some level i guess they probably did a little bit there's people who like cats it's just all the baffling cg and costuming choices everyone's composited into awful gig ginormous sets that aren't they're all digital so it just looks like episode two all the time everyone everyone is like barefoot but their feet are composited poorly into the cg places just makes it look like a foot pervert movie because you're just it, your eye is drawn to the bad compositing in which everyone's walking around barefoot except some of the cats are dressed like humans um i'm like why didn't you make this like the stage show where everyone was just dressed in out costumes and it wasn't weird and you weren't asking questions like this uh and the uh, all of the celebrity songs are fucking terrible um judy dench is too old to be on a movie like this ian mckellen's probably too old but his character's old so I'm hard. i don't know maybe he was just playing it up um rebel wilson and james corden both get musical numbers and neither of them can sing or is entertaining so i was like what are we doing here um <laughs> The dancing, however, is very good. They hired actual ballerinas for all the dancing stuff. It shows. Um, that part's great. Um, Cats is really bad. It's a baffling. It's bafflingly bad in a way where you're like, <laughs> this is um, I every, like everyone made fun of it. No one, no one's surprised Cats is bad. But I'm here to tell you, Cats is bad. But in a way where I was like kind of glad I watched it, I was like, this is weird. This is such a weird choice. Um, where I'm not going to go and watch Les Mis probably, right? Because <laughs> that just seems like bad, but in a laborious, boring way. That is correct about Les Mis. Yeah. Uh, I watched Prescription Murder, the first Columbo movie. Um, I thought it was mid, honestly. Get um, his ass! This <laughs> 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 is the pilot or whatever. It's about a psychiatrist who kills his wife and runs away with his mistress, blah, blah, blah. And Columbo investigates. It has a really obvious, like, Columbo twist. Um and uh i thought the uh i thought the back and forth where there's like a whole bit where the psychiatrist knows that colombo knows he did it but can't figure out how to prove it yet and he just starts like psychoanalyzing colombo and i'm like what is this awful mickey mouse version of hannibal bullshit i'm being forced to watch right now um, <laughs> yeah i just i just didn't like it i thought it was pretty boring and like really trying too hard to like set up colombo as a cool guy i'm hopefully hopefully that chills out as we get it further in i've heard oh. people say that the pilots are not where colombo is at its best so we'll see colombo is not cool <laughs> definitely not cool um then i watched jesus christ superstar um that movie's fucking incredible uh run don't walk to see uh <laughs> jesus christ superstar. Um, it's really good um it's 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 shot really interestingly like they just fucking shot it in israel and uh it has very minimal sets and everyone's singing their heart out and uh it's good it's really good i i just had never seen it and everyone was yelling at me to watch it and uh yeah turns out there's a good reason for that it's good yeah, um, i described it on ornate stairwells as a movie about judas demanding to take jesus's phone from him unfortunately phones weren't invented yet <laughs> <laughs> You know, you all need a homie that will tell you to stop yes. tweeting. Yes, and Judas tried. God damn it, he really did. Um, <laughs> then I watched Sunset Boulevard, um, which is also a movie about how uh, if a rich woman wants to fuck you, you can't really say anything about it. Uh, <laughs> I bet um, that one's better because I bet Billy Wilder has the has the sauce. 
Um, yeah, that movie's <laughs> fucking incredible. I did not know the extent to what that movie was about. Um, I just thought it was about, like, I knew the silent film star and the creaky house stuff, but I didn't know the rest of it. Um, and it's really good. It's great. Um, let's see. I watched News from Home, which is a Chantal Ackerman movie where she reads. She, she, after she moved away from New York, she went back to New York to film the places she walked around in, in New York when she was there, as she reads letters her mother sent her while she was in New York. Um, that are mostly about how everyone at home is constantly getting sick and everyone wishes that she was home and could hear from her and she doesn't write enough. Um, and it's really good. It's my second Ackerman. The first one I'd seen was uh, Hotel Monterey, which is just like silent footage of a hotel at night empty um and this kind of has the same vibe even with the narration over the top um it's very weird that i'm approaching ackerman from such a oblique direction um but i really liked it um i didn't like as much hotel on rain it's pretty good um i watched bridge of spies oh that, uh, I, need, I need to watch that i need to sit down and go dad mode yeah which yeah spielberg at heart i think is just in a mode where he's making dad movies for people who still want good film <laughs> um which is not to slight ron howard right <laughs> but <laughs> yeah yeah that's the dad he's not he's not steven director. spielberg i think he'd be the first to admit i'm no steven spielberg i'm ron howard what <laughs> where, where, where are the where are the other dad movie people like i guess christopher nolan is a dad movie guy yeah um, he's so self-important about it though it just doesn't hit the same yeah i mean he needs to have a couple bombs and go because 100 million dollars chopped off his budgets to truly yes. the, dad, the dad movie like so, eastwood's doing it but he came by it so naturally i don't count him He's i'm just asking is there anyone younger than 50 doing this yeah. shit probably not right? <laughs> oh no i guess it's all not. on tv now it's like, like it's like john favreau is he under 50 because him no but he's just is making john star wars fifty? i don't know i don't know how old he is he's got to be over 50 he was doing this in the 90s yeah, probably. He's fifty six. Yes, he's mid fifties. As I, as I like that. But I mean, the thing, the the Star Wars he's making is dad films. That's where dad films are now. It's fucking Star Wars. Oh, I I know. Like we, Andor, the most dad movie Star has ever been. Great, loved yes. it. Loved how dad movie yeah. it was. <laughs> like Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian are also dad movies. Yeah, just they're just not good. They just got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess you're right. Anyway. My my brain's like, have they killed the dad movie, or you know, has they the idea killed the movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Fair enough. There will never be another Apollo thirteen. I mean, like Elvis came out. That, I feel like that's a dad movie. It's kind of a mom movie, mm-hmm. be more than dad movie. But um, there was um that movie that bombed. Everyone's talking about from the La La Land guy. That seems like it tried to be one of those. Oh, Babylon. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Bridge of Spies is really good. It's a it's a legal drama about a spy thriller, which is basically catnip for me and Jackson. It's got a lot of ludicrous ideology about the Cold War, which is another thing we love. Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks is just great in it. Um, then I watched the Wicker Man remake from 2006. Why? This is I, the worst I need movie I've seen in years. Uh, so I watched the Wicker Man early this year and I thought it was incredible. Yes, that's that's that, that's the next story. <laughs> I was like, I should watch the other one. I like Nick Cage. Sometimes you want a bad movie. Um, I was at work and I put on um, Ugetsu and I was like, I can't pay attention to this. I'm at work. <laughs> uh, and I was like, you know what else is on my iPad? The Wicker Man remake. And I watched that instead. It's fucking terrible. And not like, oh, it's fun to make fun of the oh, oh God, the bees or whatever. You can watch that on YouTube. Don't watch this movie. This movie fucking sucks. Reframing the Wicker Man into like to be about Nicolas Cage 
as like the big swinging dick against all of this like Salem descendant feminine witchcraft stuff is just nasty. It's just like a ragingly sexist film. It's really bad. Yeah, I didn't care for it when I saw it either. Um, not even like in a funny way. It's not no, no, fun no. There's like me. nothing. There's there's very little funny about it. Um, and yeah. all the things that are funny, you can watch on YouTube and save yourself two hours. Yeah, um, I guess I, I don't know anything other than the bees and the bear punch stuff. Like that's actually it. But I, that's like, kind of it. That, yeah, because I know it has a reputation for being this like legendarily so bad it's fun movie. It's um, not. It's but, not. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. It's it's just yeah. It's bad. Um. The original nope. Wicked Man, one of the best movies you could possibly watch. Not to be rude, but uh, can Americans make some movies about other folklore than the Salem Witch Trials? No. <laughs> we don't have that much history, and everyone's embarrassed by slavery. So yeah. <laughs> this is what you get. It's really <laughs> how it is. It's really happy that now oh, it's the Witch Trials again. Okay, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and then my final film is 2010, The Year We Make Contact. Let's go! Contact came uh, out in the 90s. You want to talk about a movie with some ridiculous Cold War ideology? 2010 is it. <laughs> so, here's my thing. Um, 2001, classic film. I don't need to talk good shit or bad shit about 2001. It exists as... It doesn't need my commentary on it. Um, I would urge anyone who's interested in sci-fi, uh, especially big idea in sci-fi, to read Clark's odyssey tetralogy it's four books 2001 2010 2061 and 3001 i just finished 3001 this week um and it's like my least favorite of the four but they're all really good and they're all really short they're like two afternoon books easy because he was writing thin no novels that people bought and read back when people used to read books um and not as a personality you know what i mean um yeah <laughs> anyway yes. um the book 2001 comes out after the movie famously because uh, he collaborated on writing it with uh, Kubrick, and then he went and made some changes to make it more a book. And uh, so there's things that the book describes that are just like parts of the world that make sense that are included in the sequel, but aren't in 2001. Um, specifically, like why Hal tries to kill everyone is just like in the novel, like it's just a clear delineation. And this movie, because it's operating on you've seen the movie, but you haven't seen read the book, has to spend literally 20 minutes explaining what happened in 2001 Space Odyssey, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, but it's mostly a movie about um, about like three American scientists on a Soviet ship going to Jupiter to go get the ship from 2001. Uh, which is kind of what happens in the in the book. But the book is like a utopian, like all, all the countries are working together. Um, they're not like nations haven't been defeated yet, but everyone is trying to collaborate as scientists. And that that's like the thrust of the book to solve the space mystery. It takes all of us. And the movie is about how are we going to get to solve the space mystery before back on Earth? Our countries blow each other up and we're left stranded here with no Earth to go back to. <laughs> And it just gives it a weird tenor because it's also like a submarine movie where they're in a chunky spaceship with 8,000 switches and it's everyone looking at like in the dark lit up by the glow of computer panels from the 80s. Um, aesthetically, it's incredible. It's like a it's like a post alien movie in a way that movies stopped being post alien when aliens came out. Um, and I just love that about it. It's really cool. Um, it cuts out a huge part of the book that I liked with a. Chinese spaceship that lands on Europa, blah, blah, blah. There's like, read the book. Please read the book. 2010 <laughs> uh, is one of my favorite sci-fi novels. I think it's really good. And I think the movie's really good too, but in a different, lesser way. Um, but it's good. Uh, they they pulled off the, the big thing that happens in that book uh, with 
all the special effects that 84 can muster and it looks incredible and i was really surprised because i didn't think they could do it um because there's something crazy that happens in uh 2010 um, I, i've seen the movie but i haven't read the book and i'm yeah the experience going from the movie like just watching 2001 to watching this sequel movie and being like how the fuck do you make a sequel to this uh it was very weird because like the, the my god is full of stars line is not in 2001 the movie um they like retcon it in in, yeah. in the start of this film like that all the cultural things they happen that has an actual it is plot in the book. it is in the book yes, so no, I, I know it's in the book <laughs> yeah uh but the, the yeah you're right the, the movie has spent a lot of time laying down things that uh you would have known if you read the first book yeah um but yeah it's it's pretty good um i quite enjoyed it a lot of just crunchy actors doing uh space shit in it john lithgow plays a buffoon uh which is all <laughs> that's what you hire him to do but I, he's like the only one that's not in like a very serious movie uh and it's very funny to watch him like bumble through the, the story <laughs> uh, but yeah it's good um that's everything that's a lot of movies movies now more than ever now more <laughs> than ever it's so true you had so many movies yeah you did like most of them yes <laughs> i only disliked four of them um a lot of four stars here because four star most movies are four star movies that's my feeling that's, a, that's just true yeah uh okay um i guess we should get into it yeah our movie club this week is with Noel and I, the 1987 film written and directed by Bruce Robinson. Um, it's British. <laughs> it stars Paul <laughs> McGann and Richard E. Grant and Richard Griffiths. Jackson, what happens in this movie? Uh, with Nail and I is about with Nail and um, I think they, they call him Marwood in the summary in, in the original novel. Yeah, it's, it's apparently in the script. He's just called Marwood. Yeah. So. Um, but it's not named in the thing. Wood is called him Marwood for ease of youth rather yes. than calling him and I, which is just. Yes. <laughs> inconvenient. Um, yes. Who are two uh, actors in London in 1969 in their uh, late 20s, about to be 30. Uh, the decade's about to turn over. They haven't made it. They haven't broken through. Uh, and they live in cartoonishly British poverty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, going through life, taking drugs, uh, being bitter and hating everyone else and navigating their strange relationship. Uh, they are able to secure uh a getaway to the to the country from uh with nail's uncle who is like a upper class ludicrous gay guy who's also like you know been to private school just cartoonish man um uh he's 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 vernon from harry potter i was like that's the guy from harry potter (laughs) yeah that's what every american knows him from (laughs) yes uh so they like dress up nice pretend to be doing okay and uh get the key to this uh uh country getaway uh and this is where the bulk of the movie takes place where they go on this 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 short holiday to try to feel a little better from their shitty life uh it goes really bad they hate literally everyone in the country um they have to kill a bird uh it's constantly (laughs) raining there's no like electricity it fucking sucks they are then followed by monty who then spends half like a solid third of the movie uh like coming on to Paul McGann and uh, trying to force himself on him. And Paul McGann is not having it, uh, is deeply uncomfortable uh, and only is able to like get out of this um, like awful situation by uh, pretending that he's actually in love with, with nail uh, and this like true connection that uh, is able to like dissuade uh, Monty from 
being awful any further. So Monty leaves, uh, and then they head back home, briefly get arrested, but it doesn't really end up mattering. Um, and return to their to their shitty life uh to discover that they are being kicked out of their apartment because they have not been paying rent their drug dealer's been squatting in their place uh it's all going bad but in in this um awfulness uh paul gan uh gets a letter saying that he has uh been hired to play the lead in something but he's got to move to manchester uh, and he does, leaving with Nell behind, who tries to have one last, one last little drunken jaunt with his friend, but he's not really having it, and he's like, "I gotta go now." Uh, to which, alone in the rain, about to be evicted, his friend made it out, but he didn't. He performs the fucking knocks it out of the park Hamlet monologue, incredible yes. to no one. No one sees to a wolf to, to a, a wolf, like, to like, like a, a wolf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And returns to the squalor that he will live in. To go he drink dies. himself to death, yes. yes. Um, supposedly in the original, because this was based on a novel that was never published. Like, uh, it's uh, the, author, the the director wrote a novel and they turned the novel into a book, but they didn't make the novel. It was just a manuscript lying around. Um, in the original novel, uh, the, he just pours the wine into that shotgun and shoots himself in the head. Um, this is a way better ending. This is a way better ending. That's like the yes. ending that you're like. I know the idea, but it's too on the nose. This this yep. this hits it. This hits it out the park. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible final scene. Um, um, but yeah, that's the movie. Easy to summarize because um, nothing happens, but there's a lot of it. <laughs> um, I really like this. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. Yeah. Um, it's so. Want, so we don't spend a bunch of time belaboring the point. There, it does spend a third of the time in like a ridiculous gay panic joke um, about Monty trying to have sex with Marwood and Marwood being like trying to like we need him because we're staying in his cottage and he's like paying for all of our shit. But I don't want to like so I don't want to blow up our spot, but I do need to turn him down because I'm not gay and don't want to have sex with this man. Um, and in doing so, uh, reveal <laughs> The thing that happens here is actually, I, I think it's pretty funny for like regressive politics about homosexuality is that Withnall just told Monty that uh, Marwood was in love with him, a straight man. He turned him down. And so Marwood is here pining for Withnall's affection that he will never receive. And Monty had this happen to him back before, like in like the 40s or whatever. He loved a guy who was straight and he's like, I don't want this to happen to you, Marwood. So I'm going to like, we're going to have a fling and it'll break you out of this cycle. So you're not alone and sad the rest of your life like me. Um uh and so marwood has to lie and say no no no. the thing is with is the one who's closeted and he loves me and we've been sleeping together literally every night for six years um we've never spent any time apart uh but he doesn't want to tell you because he thinks it's shameful and uh monty accepts that and leaves them a nice note about like i'm, a, I'm sorry i got in the way of your love please uh enjoy the cottage as long as possible the next morning as he like leaves in the night um it's honestly pretty sweet for the regressiveness of all of this stuff right it is yeah, yeah. you kind of you feel for monty he's not just like comic figure I, monty's great he's just a ridiculous guy <laughs> it's so because the performance is fantastic he's yes. given it his all um but the the just the, the reaction to it as i was watching i, was like, I don't i don't really know how to press this because it's too heightened and stupid yes. to be like yes. a, a genuine study of like 
yes. gay loneliness in the repressed 60s. Um, mm-hmm. It's also intertwined with a bunch of class stuff, you know, like the the fat old rich guy is also gay and impotent and useless, yes. right? Like it, it's yes. entangled with a lot of shitty things and it is like a third of the movie. It's definitely the weakest part, but like this stuff there, it's weird. It's a weird yeah, but thing. Also, Richard Griffiths fucking knows what he's doing and kills it. He's yes, so Richard yes. Griffith is innocent in all this. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love um, that he just grows vegetables. I don't but like, when you go into his house and it's just full of shit with vegetables in it, it's one, so funny One to of me. the things I like immediately noticed in this movie, and it's a thing that I watch when I watch movies I like constantly just think about, is that everyone lives in like really empty houses where I'm like, who lives here? Like, what does this look like? I do not feel that about with down eye. Everyone's like their flat is disgusting, but it's just full of like life. Like you you see how it got this way. Cause you see them live in it and there's just like everything piled up everywhere. And they go to Monty's house and it's like the nice upper class version of that, but it's still that there's just stuff everywhere. Like every shelf is full of like books and pictures and uh, odds and ends and all these vegetables. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah it's a really well done set design mm-hmm. um uh, yeah. the movie is a period piece which i think is funny um in that if if the if the soundtrack wasn't the way the soundtrack was i would just believe it's from the 60s <laughs> yeah but the soundtrack is cartoonishly period film <laughs> There's as they two hit, as they, Hendrix they hit, songs. Yeah, there's two Hendrix songs. They play uh, both along, along the Watchtower and Voodoo Child. Uh, they play Wider Shade of Pale and Why My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, they got that because um, this is by uh, George Harrison's production company, um, Handmade Films, uh, which did a bunch of stuff in this era. Um, so, yeah, it's ridiculous, that stuff. It really uh, does you, feel like it's of the like really like impeccably done. <laughs> well, I mean, they get a shitty car and they shoot shitty places, and the cameras haven't changed yet, right? Like the technology of film between the '60s and the '80s is not that different, so it you know it makes sense that it wouldn't look that different. Um, you you hit like the '90s, and the minute you start color grading things, it all falls apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I feel like it looks a little more '80s, but then I guess I'm just yeah. like. You're also uh, more tuned into what British stuff looks like. Yeah, I can see the periodness, and like, I'm so obviously I know the actors, right? Like, yes, yeah, yeah. 80s I men. I knew of Paul. Mc- I'm like, oh, that's the guy who was one of the Doctor Who's that I haven't seen. Um, and I've never. I seen should Richard make e. you Grant watch that Doctor Who movie. It's really stupid. You might enjoy it. Okay. Richard E. Gant's been in like a million things. He's just one I mean, of those people. I've seen him in stuff, but like I don't like know of him in anything really, right? Like I've seen a lot of the movies he's in. I've seen Dracula, I've seen Age of Innocence, I've seen Spice World, I've seen Gosford Park, blah blah blah. You can go on and on. But like I wouldn't like attach him to anything, right? He doesn't look like the, the modern version of him. Um mm-hmm. in this he looks like a fucking corpse. He just has like the the reddest eyes you've ever seen. Uh you know, everyone makes fun of like in actuality like no one can use the like good compassionate sherlock holmes they have to use the weird drugged out sherlock holmes he comes in looking like the drugged out sherlock holmes <laughs> i mean like the opening scene basically plays like it's a sherlock holmes yes bit. Like, yes it is clearly in the ether yeah. of things they're playing with here yeah yeah but instead they just live in filth and drink themselves to death it's amazing they have not died uh yeah the, the and like the the notes are like oh this was an autobiographical story I'm like he's alive so I don't know if that's true like I the person there is the person that Withnall's based on did drink himself to death okay well there you go that'll do it because yeah. damn yeah um, and obviously uh famously you know this movie hits it portrays this um 
hugely influential. There is, of course, immediately a drinking game about matching with Nail through the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is like, you know, that's a classic British culture thing. This I was going to say, British people like, drink sickness. in a way that is baffling to me. I mean, the movie is like forthright about this like deep sickness in British culture, right? This is like a thing yes. that is present. Um, uh, this like way of escaping the just total emptiness that is modern british life uh and the, the movie uh talks about that and then it's like recreated through uh the people the audience right who will then just like perform the same thing uh through the thing uh, it's interesting i don't mean like to condemn that right like it being yeah. england sucks drinking's fine um it is interesting the way it forms in like the cultural cycle of how that goes yeah 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 the guy also, that- that's so many drinks the, yeah the guy that with those based on uh vivian mccarroll was a stage actor who like performed against like ian mckellen and john neville and stuff but mm-hmm. just had a crazy drinking problem got throat cancer in his 40s um and then drunk drank himself to death uh he died in 95 uh, at like Ooh. 50 um, Damn. and apparently the story of him drinking lighter fluid is straight from this this guy actually did that drink he fluid, actually drank blind. lighter fluid I yeah, like, he went blind for a couple days <laughs> yes oh yeah i bet God. he fucking did <laughs> Uh, the story of this, uh, this is very upsetting. So he, he got throat cancer. He had a laryngectomy. Um, oh. And because he was still an alcoholic, just resorted to injecting himself with alcohol, like directly into his stomach. Oh, um, God. Oh, yeah. no. That's oh, like next guy. level alcoholism. Like, you just can't beat that one. So That's unsurprising, sad. he died. Uh, I think this movie is very good about it. Um, like, it's not judgmental about that, right? Yes. Uh, and it's very clear about this is just a response to living in the UK, <laughs> uh, to living in the UK, to living in like um, this total, I want to say lack of class ability, but it's important that like uh, Whitney was also like connected to a rich family. Yes. Um, but this kind of like self, self-destructive like contempt for the world, I feel like requires a, the safety net of having some rich relative that can bail you out. Well, like, working you class yes. people are busy working two jobs <laughs> you don't get the sense of like uh molwood's got a rich uncle no Mulwood. no which is why he puts up with all this right like yeah his whole thing is the minute he gets a real job he cuts his hippie hair and leaves right like but he's also only he only gets the real job through luck like the, the thing yes. that is like this movie's about is um it is like in the context of acting, but you can apply it to like any career, and it's far more normal now where like the traditional just career path are all dead and everything's like a constantly yes. changing gig system where you gotta try to write your own ticket. Yeah. Um is like if you if you get out, right, that is just a thing that happens to you, and then you can make it. You can cut off the you cut your hair, the days where you were just the most ludicrous person in a filthy flat shouldn't be alive and now gone behind you and you can move on uh yes. or you can't and it's just like arbitrary whether you can like you you don't actually have the personal agency in escaping that they're like the yes. systems beyond you decide your fates yeah the thing here that's important is like when they go to the country they meet actual poor working class yes. people like they meet farmers and all of them fucking hate them because they see them for what they are but they they, <laughs> they meet they meet farmers and like people in, it's also about the difference between rural poorness yes. and uh urban yes. poor. yes. oh yeah for two sure radically different experiences in the 60s especially in the uk mm-hmm. um but i do love they're like oh we're just gonna go out to the country we're gonna have a great time and just you cannot escape bringing your miserableness with you <laughs> yes <laughs> they just do not they don't know how to prep for it and then they just have a miserable time uh it's it's like walking down the most beautiful streets you've ever seen just kind of like scowling it's very good it's very funny to me um, yeah the nature is like gorgeous but they're so miserable 
Um, I think that stuff's really good. Uh, they just cannot escape their own bullshit. And some of it is inflicted upon them, and some of it is uh, self-inflicted. Uh, and I love the ways in which those kind of like make them spiral in weird, interesting ways. Um, and then you see that you see like their version of it is like very particular because like they, their drug dealer guy, <laughs> Danny is just a different kind of like layabout. Like he does not have this like high strung, uh, like neurotic breakdown quality that they have. He's just vibing. He's just smoking the biggest blunt you've ever seen. <laughs> that the, the, the joint they smoke at the end of this movie. <laughs> it may as well be the like comedy joint from um, uh, so, uh, Jane Chong. Chong. Chong and, oh, yeah, Jane yeah. as well. Like, yeah. just, it's just massive. It's fucking huge. Yeah, he's like, this is you need you need you need like twenty sheets for a Camberwell carrot. He's like, how do you know that? He's like, well, I invented it in Camberwell, and it looks like a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, and just tell he's just like um telling the most rambly stories in the world. So I was watching this and I realized the the minute he starts talking, I'm like, this is the guy from Wayne's World 2. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never seen I'd never seen this movie, obviously. Um and um Wayne's World 2 has a lot of like really obvious celebrity cameos because it blew up or whatever. And I recognized all of them except the guy they get to be their like manager for Wayne stocks about them putting on a fake woodstock because Jim Morrison told Wayne in a dream that he needs to make his own woodstock. Um and they hire this guy who was Jim Morrison's best roadie. And it's it's the guy here, um, uh, Ralph Brown. He plays uh, Del Preston. He's just this char- He's literally this character from With Now and I. Just telling very similar stories, but about like American rock culture. Uh, it's really funny. Yeah, it's like you sent me the clip after yeah, we watched Jackson this. Yeah, I sent Jackson the same yeah, clip Yeah, it's pretty about- good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, he's my favorite part of With Mal and I. The part where he's he's here and the thing that happens is they were paying the rent. They had the money and they were paying the rent. But the checks, he because he was squatting their apartment, he just kept the checks and didn't send them. He's like, I meant to send them. I didn't. <laughs> um, and it's all because he was just here being like a layabout, doing a bunch of drugs and, and hanging out with uh, his his boyfriend. Who can say? Um, Presumptuous. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, uh, oh, uh, Presumptuous Dave or something like presu- that. Presuming Ed. <laughs> presuming ed yeah <laughs> um and uh he didn't send them so now they're getting evicted but he's just like smoking this this uh this huge enormous cartoon blunt as with nails like so high he's fucking having a meltdown um he's just laughing the entire time he can't handle this and marwood's about to have like a, another break and he's like oh, i i need i need a downer he's like no that's not gonna help you <laughs> your problem <laughs> is your problem man the scene where marwood's like standing there reading that he's about to be evicted he feels like his life is over uh and then in front of him is one guy just like chilling with the massive blunt another guy on his hands and knees hysterically laughing and then presumptuous ed with the globe rattling on it (laughs) (laughs) i was like this is absolutely how it feels sometimes it's how it be (laughs) yes um the movie this made me think of um and this is not even like it has a ralph steadman poster so i feel like they know too this feels a lot like fear and loving las vegas which is a movie i really like um about huntress thompson going on a fucking drug bender in las vegas um and just has the same quality of like life is just unbearable and the drugs you take don't help but they they don't hurt like you got to do them to get through if you're a drug guy but also sometimes you find, you find yourself standing in singular moments of total insanity and feel like you're like <laughs> going to lose everything. <laughs> yes. It's a um, good um, comparison. Yeah. Um, 
And it also made me think of like when they go to the when they go to the uh, the countryside and everyone's kind of rude to them in like a very particular way, knowing that they're from the city. Uh, it reminded me a lot of The Guard, which is a movie I've been trying to get Jackson to watch for years and years. This it might be close to seven years you've been trying to get me to watch The Guard. Yeah. Um, which is uh, a great film from 2011. Uh, it's an Irish film by uh, John Michael McDonough about John che- Don Cheadle as a FB- FBI agent. Yeah, an FBI agent who has to solve a case going to rural, uh, rural Ireland to hang out with Brendan Gleeson, who's like the local <laughs> constable. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty good. I remember being pretty good. I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, it's good. It, it beat The Wind That Shakes the Barley at the box office. Oh, wow. As the, as the most popular <laughs> Irish film. So, um, yeah, well. <laughs> Is it better than the one who shakes the Bali? <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, let's be real. But it's like it's way more fun. <laughs> That's true. Well, the one shakes the Bali, not a fun movie. I would not describe yeah. it as a fun time. No. Uh, this movie's got a bunch of weird, goofy shit. There's like they get stopped by the cops near the end, and there's there's one cop who's just like quietly like in the background, like he's the second, he's cop two, and he doesn't <laughs> okay, say anything. Yeah. <laughs> there's a bit where um uh with now refuses to take the breathalyzer tests um which i didn't even know they had in the 60s i did i thought those were more recent than that but um refuse to take the breathalyzer test uh, and it's like well we're gonna have to arrest you and then the other cop just starts shrieking orders <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny it is really funny um a lot of goofy shit like that they go into this like awful like tea like rich person tea shop uh demand cakes and there's just like women with like bulldogs in their laps in the background they're cute i love the bulldogs yeah that was fun and they're just like uh i'm the uh, the owner here i won't buy he's like i we i were millionaires we're filming a movie i'm gonna buy this whole place and shut you down i it's uh the trip is definitely evoking this movie (laughs) Um, (laughs) which i had not realized also just there's like a full set of miserable people who are bound together by friendship going on a trip fiction <laughs> especially in, in british culture that clearly are all referencing this thing i mean i feel like a solid 70 percent of movies in my mind this is probably not actually true but like the the form of storytelling of you have two friends that fucking hate each other um mm. but are like bound together through some bond that is very strong and mostly subtextual uh is just I feel like most this is how like masculine friendships work in movies like there's this like subtextual longing but it's mostly about being pissed off with a guy and living with him or having a job with him (laughs) yes depending on how uh, like where your movie's set or what you're doing oh for sure yeah um but yeah, I really liked it. I thought I was, I was really surprised how much I just found it funny. They get that chicken and the, the, the set it up where like, you know, it's going to be a live chicken. It's like, oh, we got ch-. The, the farmer comes by and he's like, oh, I got chicken in the back for you. And you, you, they don't show it. So, you know, it's a live one. And then you see them like sitting there, like staring dead eyed at something off screen. And it pans over to the live chicken. Um, and they argue about who's going to cook, cook it, kill it and cook it. And then they, they like kill it, obviously, by strangling it. And then they pluck it poorly and are trying to shove it into a teapot to boil it it's a nightmare <laughs> embarrassing i mean i also couldn't kill a chicken so you know but embarrassing none the same the yes. bit where he's like i would i would know to cut its head off and and de-gut it and cut the legs off which they do not know okay, yeah uh, okay i mean we know that i know to do that but i I don't know that in a way where i've like touched a chicken before i didn't know that from knowing things i don't yes i don't think that counts like <laughs> i don't think you put me in the room with a live chicken that i will i will 
uh, enact like exactly on those things that I know in my brain <laughs> as well as I should I be think, able I to. Think I, I think I can get there. You think, you think you're ready? You think you're able to? <laughs> if, if, this is, if this is my Dan Riker, I could fight a wolf thing, so be it. But I think I could, I think I could clean a chicken enough that I wouldn't die, right? <laughs> um, I don't think I'm making like a beautiful fucking chicken or anything, but I think I could figure it out enough. I think I could clean the chicken just fine. Uh, I'd metal through. I think it's it's purely the killing the chicken that would that would mess me up. Same. Uh, I think if you put me in a room with like a pre like chickens already in the head cut off state, and you say prepare this to eat, I could like you know go through the things I know to do mentally, do it slowly to make sure I'm learning how to do them. But it, it is the actually having to cut its head off while it's alive that would render the rest of this not a no go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think that would stop me, but uh, it would be difficult. I, <laughs> look, I, would, I, I find it distasteful, right? Like, I wouldn't want to do it, but I think I could do it if it's that or starve. I think it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be unpleasant, but there's a lot of things that are unpleasant. <laughs> I think getting the guts out is grosser than having to kill the chicken. That's me. That's really? Like, oh, it's icky. Yeah, it's so icky. It's already oh dead, though. Yeah, but it's icky. It's guts. You're, you're more bothered by the icky. Like it's all, I'm already touching the dead chicken. It's already all icky. It's all equally icky. Yeah, yes. I don't know why that's my line, but I think that's my line. Conceptually, just, having not done it, right? I just think you'll be face-to-face with many realities if you did this in real life that would change your perspective on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would do it sober, so I'd have a step up on both of them. Right. Yeah, well. Oh, my God. The drinking. There's the wikipedia breakdown of what he does drink in the movie and it's like it's like almost 10 drinks uh yeah it's too many things it's way too many and things. one of them is lighter fluid so do you they know. say what in the drinking game you would replace the lighter fluid with because like yes vinegar Vi- oh well okay so the actor that plays uh Whitnall doesn't drink he's allergic to alcohol so, like, he was sick most of the film because he had to drink. Like, they well, got no, they, him they, drunk. They, they had him drink once. Uh, oh, he was okay. not drinking the entire movie. Yet. The, yeah, the, oh, okay, the okay. Like, Peter was like, he didn't think that Richard E. Grant could play with Nell if he hadn't been blackout drunk. So, just forced him to get drunk. And Richard E. Grant is like, I fucking hated this. What an awful thing to make me do. Yeah. And then, like, the lighter fluid scene, they replaced whatever was there with vinegar to get a better reaction out of him. Oh, that's so rude. <laughs> yeah, so when people play the drinking game, they just drink vinegar usually. Or rum. Uh let me pause for a second. I gotta run to the restroom real quick. Okay. Are you pausing your you're not no, pausing? No, no, your no, no, leave, leave, leave the film. Mm. I haven't been drinking too much. <laughs> drinking too much uh Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. I'm absolutely gone off that Dr. Pepper. <laughs> this movie i just kind of picked it randomly i had always wanted to see it because i you know i like a buddy movie but i didn't know shit about it other than it was a sort of a cult classic uh yeah I, i'd heard of it before um yeah it's considered I, like one of the best british comedies ever made um i don't know if that's true i mean it is pretty good it made a lot of lists at the time i don't know if it's still regarded the, with the same regard um I have to like <clears throat> mentally go through my head like what's a what's a like a classic British movie? I know it's like one of thought of as one of the greats, but I, I it's no Lawrence of Arabia when it comes to like fucking British movies that I love. Mm-hmm. 
like as far as comedies go, I don't even know what I would consider like the like funniest British movie. Like, what's the funniest British movie? Is it? It's not Monty Python and the Holy Grail. No, we can't. We also with how bad uh, Life of Brian went. Uh, we uh, Destiny just kept podcasting. We briefly okay. had a normal conversation <laughs> and then kept actual podcasting. So you've got an editing job to do. All right. Well, I might just leave most of it in unless there's something I can't put in. No, we no. start talk joking about piss for a while. Oh, okay, well, that's fine. I can be made fun of a little bit on a podcast. It won't kill me. Anyway, um, what's the funniest British movie, Em? Is it this? Is this the funniest British movie of all time? Ooh, ooh funniest British movie. It's a British hard. movie. And I realize that, like, I don't know... It is hard in my brain to know what a British movie is because of, like, in the last 30 years, so much... British movies... Sometimes you're like, that's a fucking British movie, right? Like, Attack of the Block, British movie, made in Britain. Um, but, like, there's a lot of Hollywood co-productions. And then when you look on websites, like, they go by production companies and it's like, this movie that just happened to be financed by a French company is French, right? Just, like, stuff that is not what I mean when I say that's that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, for sure. So um, actually looking up... Finding a list of British comedies is harder than you think. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is the funniest British movie. I, I, my gut says it's a funnier British movie, but... Every time we've revisited a classic funny British movie, it's gone really badly. Remember when we rewatched Hot Fuzz? Yes. That's 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 because um Edgar Wright just never made a good movie. Um I have to revisit Sean of the Dead to find that out. Yeah. Um there's gotta be I'm trying to think. I'm like, I do like I do like Holy Grail. I think that does hold up. Um, yeah, Holy Grail holds up, believe it or not. Uh I'm just saying we haven't watched pretty it. good. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I do like the trip. Um, I like so In Bruges. I do like In Bruges. Uh, In Bruges is not British. Oh, is it not? It's I. I Ireland is not Britain. You're all being shot. Isn't the? It's like mostly British. I, I guess I don't know what makes an Irish movie Irish. If like, is it just if the director's I, Irish? Because like, I guess it's like it is that is supposedly a British slash American movie. That's what I mean. Like, it's an Irish yeah, writer, yeah, yeah. Irish director no, with two Irish actors, and then like you know, like where. This is the thing about national cinema, right? It's weird, especially in English-speaking yeah. countries where there's a lot of overlap. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. um, um, it's like, are Terry Gilliam movies British? Like, right. all of them? I don't, I don't know. If um, you go by, like, directors, not- it's weird. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, I'm trying to find, like, a list made by, like, a British... Com- uh, British publishing... Like, I can't find anything. To show you what I mean, uh, I went on Letterboxd, I clicked films, country, British, sorted by comedy. Here are the films that are tagged as British productions uh, that are comedies. Begin with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What the fuck are you talking about? What? (laughs) Like, this is what I mean about, like, when they assign countries to movies, it's based on, like, who's bringing the money. And I don't know who brought the money for that, but that's not a British movie. What do you you want? Yeah. Lost in Translation. That's not British. No. no. Um, um, Lair of the White Worm is pretty funny. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't watch a lot of like British like comedies, like straight comedy films, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, we did it in the loop ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, what? I wouldn't count that one. I didn't think it was that funny. I thought it was really yeah. annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I like Four Lions. Four Lions is really funny. Four Lions is good. I hope. I think I've holds up. I would say. I hope so. Up. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Robert Downey Rapids. 
Attack the Block's really funny. That's true. Not really oh, yeah. comedy, but it's no. funny. Uh, it's a comedy. I remember liking the full Monty. <laughs> I loved the full Monty. I haven't seen it in years, though. Yeah, I also haven't seen it in years. Um, Sightseers. Sightseers is fucking good. <laughs> and it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. That might be. That might actually be the answer. Off top. Of is my that head. the one? Remind that's the couple who happened. start. That's who start killing people. We oh, that movie's fucking yes. great. Yeah, yeah, I loved that movie. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, do we have anything else? Or should we get to questions? No, we can get to questions. That's that's movies. Yeah, this one was really good. People should watch it. It was really surprising. I was I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like a m- movie about musicians because the poster. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I knew it was about friends, and I knew one of them was a drunkard, but drunkard. But I didn't know uh, anything else than that. Oh yeah. Well, we did Just it. Kind of picked it on a whim. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, if you'd like to send emails, they can be, uh, sent to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. We have question of the week. This week, the question of the week was your favorite, a movie by an actor turned director. Um, and, uh, you can do those. You can just send questions about the movie you're watching. You can send random questions about fucking anything. We don't care. We just love emails. That's the secret. Emails. Yes. Um, whoops. I just. Put them in the wrong folder. Great job, me. It's fine. Uh, Gary writes in, uh, to invert a question someone asked on the last episode, what's a low-budget indie movie you'd like to destroy by giving it a massive, far too big budget? Clucks 2 already exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Damn. Fuck. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, that's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I can't talk about that. Yeah, it just made it real. Yeah, just made it real. Yeah, exactly. Reservoir Dogs, but like literally, the '90s is littered by Reservoir Dogs with too much money. Yeah, (laughs) I was was gonna say the exact same thing. Like that's the answer I wrote down when I was making notes for this episode. And uh, yeah, I know you're absolutely right. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's an easy one to fuck up with too much money. People have done it before. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um, not an indie movie, but uh. Just bearing out on the history of sci-fi, I will say Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You give too much money to Star Trek and they start making the movies terrible. It just happens every time. Yes. <laughs> uh, Birdville uh, writes in, I enjoyed this movie. Wasn't Didn't know what to expect and ended up really liking it, but I kind of expected to hate it for a good reason other than I thought it might be too British. Uh, this is me editorializing. This is not the exact sentence, but this is the sentiment. This had me thinking, what movies did you expect to hate but ended up enjoying? I did not expect to like Tropic Thunder. I've not seen it. It's really I wonder fun. How, man, I wonder how that plays. Uh, yeah, good point. And the things that people thought were offensive about that movie, I didn't think were offensive. The thing I did find offensive in that movie doesn't age well anyway. Uh, yeah, there's, there's there are things in that movie that I... I'm curious how I'll hold up. My memory is they're funny and, like, oddly... At least considered, if not like, you know, they're doing them intentionally, even if that intent is itself flawed. Right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm willing to say that Tropic Thunder is still probably pretty fun. That's my guess. I don't know, but that's my guess. I could be pretty Yeah. Wrong. There's a lot of dumb comedies that, like, I go in, I'm like, I'm not gonna like this. And then I ended up liking. So I liked The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I liked, uh, I can't think of any others, but like... 
Judd Apatow had a good run with me, and I was very surprised because I did not expect to like a lot of his output. Output, and I don't really like him anymore. But at the time, I was surprised I liked those movies. Um, my answer is Excalibur. I was not expecting oh, to like Excalibur. So I wasn't and either. Ended up loving Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. That was a good one we watched. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of ones we've done for this that can count. Um, Usually I'm like not like Excalibur is one where like Rick, Rick had, uh, suggested and I was like, oh, you know, I'll listen. I, I guess I'll check. I'm not really enthused. Arthurian stuff just doesn't really like I've read a bunch of it, but it doesn't typically always do much for me. And I don't really want a big, serious <laughs> swords epic. Uh, you know what? I got my wish. I did not get a big, serious. swords. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is with Excalibur, like that wasn't just me going in that happened over the course of the movie i was watching it started i'm merlin said wooden and I was like, oh, that's weird whatever and then by the end i'm like yes this is what it <laughs> means to be a king <laughs> yeah. um but I, I can think of a lot of ones we've covered like um the um, island the island's a big one of the those. island i was about to say miss congeniality for me oh yeah um, which is just a just a solid fun movie that i didn't expect to just enjoy that mm-hmm. is a good one I didn't expect to like Legally Blonde. That movie's great. That movie's great. Those are just movies I expect to like because I do like those. So mm, yes, yeah, I, I much don't. higher capacity for goofy rom coms and stuff like that than both. I of you. thought I would find the apartment mid. Oh, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it really is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> um, I'll say uh, this one is not one that I like, but I ended up enjoying Ready Player One more than I was expecting. I did not like it at all. Um, I thought that the um, the Spielbergianness uh, overcame a lot of the deficiencies in being Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. <laughs> um, Transformers Three that was an inexplicable win. <laughs> it's true. The Ninja Turtles movie, the live yes. action one with Megan Fox, like oh, yeah, surprisingly really good. good. Yeah, oh, both Sensei Shredder. Yeah. Michael Bay is the king of uh, movies you don't expect to uh, like and end up liking despite yourself. But when he misses, it's like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Sometimes you make Transformers <laughs> 4 and you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever put into my eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tron writes in, uh, what's your favorite Jimi Hendrix experience song? And so where I want to I want to open this by admitting and I said this on Twitter. Um, every time I hear Voodoo Child, my brain goes, that's Hollywood Hogan's music because he fucking got Voodoo Child as entrance music when he was in the NWO in the 90s on WCW. And that was when I first heard Voodoo Child. I had not heard it before that point. Uh, so that's just my, my association is that Voodoo Child is the Hollywood Hulk Hogan entrance music. That's funny. Uh, I like Crosstown Traffic. Uh, I've no, I've not listened to the Jimi Hendrix experience. I know it as like an album my dad played a lot. So like I think I associate all these songs with my dad when I hear them. So I don't have much mm-hmm. affection for any of them. Um, because mm. my dad's, re- I'm sure my dad relates a lot to this movie. No, he was never like a, uh, drinking too much. Um, or in, but he was definitely like a struggling actor in London in the 70s, um, not mm. 60s. Uh, I guess maybe 80s, but yeah. Um, and then uh, what's the funniest bit of this film for you all? I just love Monty's vegetable house. <laughs> and anytime, uh, what's his name? Danny is on screen. I think it's the bit where the farmer yells at him to just run at the bowl and shout. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the funniest bit of the movie. The bit where, in full view of the farmer, 
Withnail runs away and jets behind the fence and everyone just sees it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that's entire good. scene is just incredible. I like all the interactions with the townspeople, like the guy threatening him with the eel, and like the lady just being like, nah, 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 nah. I don't care where you're from. <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, does anyone have any bad holiday stories? This is one of the questions. I don't think I have any. I don't really go on holidays. I don't holidays. think I have. Yeah, we don't really we go anywhere. Well, so when I went on holiday in Wales when I was four or th- no, must have been it must have been two or three. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it was. Uh, I uh, almost drowned um, and went just went under the water. And my dad was like, "Oh, it's fine. They're probably fine." And my mum had to run out and luckily save me. And that's why I stand here today. Uh, and then we saw a snake in the cottage and we fucking left early. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't. It, they are genuinely some of my earliest memories because it's like I was young enough where I wasn't like keeping memories. But whatever happened on that holiday that I don't have any emotional connection to because it was so young, it barely feels like me. Was clearly at the time traumatic enough that I just have images that are stuck in my mind, and it's specifically the um, red plastic cover of what used to be an outdoor swimming pool turned into an indoor swimming pool at this like shitty rainy Welsh place uh and the fear i felt after having almost drowned now being taken to go swimming <laughs> my, my, my abiding memory of the, i don't really remember the drowning itself but i remember that swimming pool and then i remember the snake uh and leaving early um and my only other memory from this is it was the first time i ate coco shreddies <laughs> <laughs> so there you go that's my holiday story nice I was once really sick uh, the second time I went to New Orleans. We have family, extended, distant family down there, and I've been there twice. The second time I got very sick, but that's that's it. It wasn't that bad. I was just very sick. The very last family, my whole my uh, holiday, my family went on because we we go like a small holiday to like a seaside town every year. Um, throughout my primary school was in two thousand and nine. Was the last time we did it, uh, and I vividly remember loading up like three to four months maybe not that however much endurance run backlog i had on my ipod nano and just sitting watching the fucking persona 4 endurance run all week <laughs> vacation vacation <laughs> uh and then tron offers as uh the actor turned director um just orson Welles. i think you specifically wanted a movie destiny so yeah i wanted a pick. movie um, I specifically tried not to pick Orson Welles because it's too obvious. <laughs> um, we'll get there in a second. Um, Hilver writes in, uh, favorite film about actors slash acting? Oh. Um, I didn't know. I was like going through like in my head. I can think of more movies about movies. I, I really like Living in Oblivion. Um I've never seen that. I really need to. Uh, that's just a 90s movie, Steve Buscemi on a film set uh, that I really, really, really fucking liked uh, mm. like a decade ago when I watched it. Um, I'm trying to think of other like movies specifically about acting. I'm, nothing's really coming to mind. I like, uh, yeah, I can think of movies about like making movies. I can't think of a movie about like actors just being actors like off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I know I'm overlooking something huge, and I'm just you're having a blank. Um, that's fair. 
Did you I have feel one? like I also am like, uh, no, no, I don't have anything. Mm. Um, have you ever done a deep dive on a singer ac- actor's filmography? As someone who does the deep dives in this group, I've never bothered with actors. It just seems too, there's no auteurship to actors, right? Like you see an actor's craft on the screen and you understand it because it's on the screen. But like, it's not like thematically consistent because that's not the th- that's not what actors do. <laughs> or if it is, it's because they've like uh, ascended to a level. Like Tom Cruise, right? Modern Tom Cruise movies have this, but he's basically a producer calling the shots yeah. like the movie making stuff. So it's yes, um, just a different thing. Uh, this can be fun, especially if you're like interested in like the ways performance changes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but I also but I, tend to, I tend to just gather that over time by doing the other thing, which. Yes. Uh, is using uh, my interest in directors to or script writers to like go on those kind of dives. Um, yeah. When I, I was in, oh, so go ahead. No, you, you go. I was gonna say when I was in high school, any actor I had a crush on, we would try to watch all of their movies. So like, there was a period where I was seeing like everything Scarlett Johansson was in. There was a period where like I watched every James Spader movie. Um, that was just part of being a teen <laughs> for me, just watching specific actors specifically because I like the Michael Pitt. Uh, goodness. Uh, did I do it with anybody else? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> These are embarrassing answers. I can't remember. I know there. I was young. I, I, I'm not embarrassed. I was young. Like that's what you, we did when we had crushes. Um, Nigel writes in um, my favorite movie by an actor and director is Big Night co-directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott um, I'd be very interested to watch a Stanley Tucci movie <laughs> um, Nigel has a question what are the favorite what move what's your favorite movies that you would describe as the other two co-host core like I need to pick my favorite Jackson core movie and Destiny core movie um, what's i guess like i was gonna say what's me core that isn't like also m core on some level because we both enjoy the dad <laughs> yeah you movie, overlap I mean, a lot there's a lot of overlap yeah. i think there's a lot of overlap with all three of us that's why we do this um i yep yeah but we we can both say what like a destiny like trashy queer movie is <laughs> in a way that like, <laughs> my my favorite destiny core movie is not a trashy queer movie but well yeah i sure but like that's because you don't yes that's because you hate greg Araki and all that shit <laughs> <laughs> that's correct but that is like um, the, the center of destiny core to me well like okay so my jackson core movie i like my my thing is i can like evoke a mood but like i couldn't pick a specific film so i guess if i had to pick a specific film for a jackson core movie it would be uh michael clayton but that also is an M-Core movie in a lot of ways. But the M-Core movie I decided to go with was F for Fate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go next, Jackson? Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, j- I, I don't think it's possible for me to answer, like, what my favorite M-Core movie is. You just recommend me movies all the time. Like, it's too... <laughs> <laughs> is there a this. movie you, you associate this. with M? Um, that, like exemplifies m's taste to you like because that's kind of what i thought the question was getting at i mean the problem is the answer is in the movie the answer is the prison and the tv show the prisoner is the most like the center i'll take that i'll take that oh yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's which I, I haven't rewatched it like as an adult um because you know it was just a thing that i knew as a kid uh, and i appreciate a lot but um 
it, it, I feel like you just claimed that. I, I knew about it before you because it's just Britishness. It's really funny because Jesse's the one who told me to watch it. So No, but it, it, it ended up this way, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I hadn't um, seen it when I recommended it to you. It was just, I literally, all I know about The Prisoner, I learned from a single Simpsons episode. Oh, okay. Because I, I need you play uh, Device 6, the iOS game. And you were like, you should watch The Prisoner. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yep. Um, I just and know your de- you. What's your destiny pick, Jackson? Um, the Elephant Man. <laughs> Interesting. Because okay. I just think of it as the one that me and Destiny both love, but uh, okay. we are often beset for it being the unsophisticated David Lynch movie when it's actually <laughs> fucking incredible. It's amazing. I almost picked um, Wild at Heart for my Destiny Core movie, um, but it's got it's gotta be it's just gotta be Coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my other MCO one is Simply Boogie Nights. That's the other one. Oh, that's funny, because I consider that, a de- like, for me, that is a Destiny movie, if I were going to pick one for myself. Um, and then Jackson, um, I mean, it's got to be taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, which I do like <laughs> a lot, yes, but I feel like that's become, all time. that's become your, <laughs> that's become the Jackson movie to me. <laughs> That's Taking funny. Pelham 1, 2, 3 is cinema. You just get... <laughs> See, I'm like, 20% yeah, I like of it, a lot, but you just lose your mind about it. <laughs> 20% like, yeah, of it is good. needlessly racist for no reason. Just like, yeah. just like that's just how it is. Uh, you have a nice cop who is just solving the case. Uh, the criminals that are just being kind of short. It's great, man. <laughs> Taking Pelham 1, I should go watch that again. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. um which brings us to our uh, question of the week which is your favorite movie by an actor turned director Uh, bonus points if you can do this without saying clint eastwood or orson welles films um okay who wants to go first i had a little list i had one the answer is one is it the night Um, of the hunter i mean you can you can you can talk about more don't get me wrong (laughs) yeah is it the night of the hunter (laughs) Oh, mine? No. Oh, okay. The Night of the Hunter's like... It's an actor. He made one movie, and it's That's one of the, like the best films ever. I, do, I yeah, like it's gorgeous. It's 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 yeah. not my pick because uh, I went for something a little more obscure, like for my number one. But like, yeah, no, that is a fucking fantastic movie. Um, my honorable mentions are Reality Bites, which was directed by Ben Stiller. I would I've never watch seen that. that. I watched that movie probably, or I used to, I, I haven't in a long time, but I used to watch it like once a month. It's one of my favorite movies. It's not that, like, it's just a romantic uh, comedy, but I love it. Um, I like Robert Redford's Ordinary People, um, Two Days in New York by Julie Delphi, uh, but my pick is Parents, directed by a character actor, Bob Balaban, which is this weird movie about this kid whose parents, like, cook people and it's just like through the perspective of a child who doesn't quite know what's going on and it's very i think randy quaid is the dad in it it's been a long time since i've seen it but it's like a late 80s early 90s movie and i don't know if bob balaban ever directed anything else but it's a weird little movie uh yeah (laughs) um I've seen that. That movie's wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My choice, uh, I want to shout out because uh, I remember liking it, though I haven't seen it in 10 plus years at this point, is uh, Tom McCarthy's The Station Agent. 
um, starring Peter Dinklage and Patricia Clarkson, which is just a nice, quiet little movie about Peter Dinklage's friendship with Patricia Clarkson as they hang out at a fucking uh, like train station stop. That is a really good movie. Yes. <laughs> like, really good. <laughs> yeah, it's just small and schmaltzy and good. Uh, I remember really liking it. Yeah. Um, I feel like Tom McCarthy's uh, career has gotten a little weird. Um, but I also like The Visitor. I watched The Visitor. The Visitor's all right. It's not as good as Station Asia. Kind of same thing. <laughs> That's Richard Jenkins hanging on a bench. Um <laughs> <laughs> Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Night of the Hunter was, was my obvious one. That was the one that I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, had to be. Um, I was looking at other lists and like, you know, it, it's very easy to be uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Susan Kane, Unforgiven, fucking classic movies. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, this, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say that like, <laughs> this is not one of the, this is not like my number one. Like this was like best movie, but this is a movie that like no one else I know has ever watched nor necessarily should they. It's not, like, great. But uh, Tim Blake Nelson directed a movie called Leaves of Grass, which starred Edward Norton as a normal middle-class guy and also Edward Norton as his, like, pothead twin brother. (laughs) And it's just a ludicrous (laughs) movie. I'm like, man, what a crazy movie that I've seen and is mostly all right. Uh, And I think about sometimes, but I've never brought it up because no one's fucking seen this Edward Norton movie. Why would they? Oh my, oh, I gotta, just a second, I gotta put this poster in the chat. Holy shit. <laughs> it's low quality, but this gives you everything you need to know right here. Whoa. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Edward Norton and Edward Norton. Oh, it's um, about Walt Whitman? The, the thing, it's it's a Walt Whitman, it's based on a Walt Whitman book. Leaves the of grass poetry book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing here is that uh, drug user uh, Edward Norton looks like Haley Jawsman on this. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, uh, I saw that and I ascended immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just a movie that you know when you just like when it's the Netflix era, right? And you're just picking up movies and you just watch random ones. This is one I did in that days. Uh, no one else has ever seen it, uh, and it just stuck with me because of the image of ludicrous ed norton with his ridiculous wig <laughs> my my um version of that is the film half nelson the um <laughs> the uh the ryan fucking, gosling yeah the ryan gosling as a teacher with a drug habit movie i love that movie <laughs> i thought that movie was so that's another actor i've seen like a billion of his movies because i i have no idea if it's good enough. i saw it in the theaters in 2006 and have not thought about it since other than it's the the epitome of those mid-aughts indie films you go see and you're like that was pretty good and then never think I about it again and laugh it. At. i owned it on dvd i watched it oh pretty regularly oh my god <laughs> i liked his little bond with that girl yeah no, no, no it's fine you're just very funny to me i'm looking um, at the screenshots and this is a this is poorly cast he's too hot he's just quite frankly too hot to be the drugged out inner city teacher what is going on here it was 2006 it was his moment 
scores by broken social scene man this movie's a fucking cartoon <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> indie movies in the aughts are really off their time it was an era everyone really remembers was. the 90s for like oh you know excited time for indie movies but the the fucking post garden state era of indie movies <laughs> mm-hmm. i was just gonna say the garden state era itself was it was a uh, like yeah. 2003 to 2007 my god Uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right. Uh, next time, movies. We are going to be watching uh, Nora Ephron classic, You've Got Mail. I've got mail. Because I keep bringing it up, and the Discord was like, you should just do it. You should just do it. It's a good movie. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I will do it. Yeah. I'm excited. I've never seen it. Um, I love it. I have no idea if you two will like it at all. Um, <laughs> probably not, but it's fine. I feel like um, I have to go watch Sleepless in Seattle first. You do not. You do not have to do that. If you want to do that, be my guest. But you do not. I have might. To. I might do it just we for will me. Not be covering. I will not be rewatching Sleepless in Seattle. But if you want to watch it, you can. Okay. I like you got me more than Sleepless in Seattle. That's my. I've idea. never seen it. Does Sleepless in Seattle have a hook? Like it, that does, the title doesn't tell me much other than I guess he's tired and in Seattle. Um, okay. So the <laughs> thing about Sleepless in Seattle is, uh, Meg Ryan is like a journalist. Um, okay. And she gets she gets really bought into this late night talk show, like radio show, um, where uh, Tom Hanks's wife died, and his 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 son calls in and is like, "My dad needs a mo- needs a wife because he's sad." And she, even though she has like a fiance, uh, falls for him through this story and goes across the country to like talk to him, and they fall in love. That sounds less good than you've got mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is the difference between the early '90s and the late '90s? <laughs> Clearly, um, *Sleep in Seattle* is a much more beloved film. It's really popular, you know, enduring. *You've Got Mail* is an also ran. I just happen to like it more. So that is just how it is. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be covering that. I think my question of the week is going to be uh, double sided because I'm. I feel like our audience is just not primed to have like a ton of experience. I would like favorite and least favorite romantic comedies, both. Okay. I've not watched zero rom coms. I just have to try to navigate that question without answering Woody Allen for both. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are allowed to answer Woody Allen for both if you want, and we all understand no one's out here actively watching Woody Allen, but many of us have watched a lot of Woody Allen in our time. Yeah, we're old people listening. We're all old enough that we were watching Woody Allen back in the day. Some of us yeah. had a box set. Some of us uh, yeah. <laughs> really loved Woody Allen. Okay. Um, yeah, no, he wrote a good romantic comedy or or two. But I'm sure I can find somebody else. My, whenever I think of Woody Allen and Dusty, I always think of the joke you had to rewrite to be about Wes, uh, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Liking Woody Allen movies on stage. It was like an offhanded joke about like the white people movies that you feel like you're doing cultural tourism with, and you had to replace Woody Allen with Wes Anderson because you couldn't make that joke anymore. (laughs) Yo, it's true. That's the director white people like. (laughs) I like Wes Anderson, but he's a good shorthand for a very specific kind of person. Yes. Uh, Yeah, cool. I'm excited for that. I've got two excuse me myself then. Will I have one by a day before? Let's see. Who can say? Who can say? Doesn't matter now. No. Uh, All right. 
that's it plugs destiny at fridge buzz now on the internet and my other podcast battling girls retain a little break but we'll come back uh okay jackson you can find me at headfuls off on twitter and co-host you can find the podcasts that we do at abnormalmapping.com go listen to them thank you very much you can find me on twitter at em underscore being uh you would like to support our shows you can do that patreon.com slash mapping for one dollar you get the great gundam project we're currently watching gundam seed destiny which so far seems like a giant piece of shit but we're gonna have a good time anyway uh and we're also watching our battler dunbine as our backup show that show is incredible so you should check that out for five dollars you get blockbusters where every month we watch a hollywood movie and talk about its weirdo ideologies uh we're about to watch treasure planet probably in the next week or so we haven't scheduled it yet uh we need to talk about that um we got a we've got a banger coming up for February, so please check that out. And if you uh, if you get ten dollars, you get VoIP Life, which is usually me and Jackson goofing off every two weeks. Um, I just put out our New Year's episode, which is five hours of a bunch of friends coming through to talk about their resolutions for twenty twenty three. People seem to like it. I thought it was a really good episode. I was glad I was able to put it together. Um, check that out. VoIP Life's really good. There's a lot of movie stuff in there, and I bet going forward there'll be a little more movie stuff because I'm movie moded now. Um, and we'll just talk about some bullshit. Uh, that's it, I think. Uh, this podcast comes in every two weeks. You can go to reptorescreenings.com. You can send emails at normalmappingpodcast.gmail.com. If you like this episode, please share it. Uh, retweet it. Rechost it. Uh, like it. Tell your friends. That sort of stuff. Rate and review on iTunes. I think I said that already. Um, and that'll be all. Until next time. Movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>